0: And amen, what a glorious day that will be. Let's uh, bow together in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time you've given us. And thank you for the encouragement that we have through your word, by your spirit. And thank you for the hymns and the songs of praise unto you, Lord God. And I thank you that you give us your word uh, to feed us that we would grow in respect to salvation. And I pray that uh, that is what would happen today, that our hearts would be ready, that the the field of the ground of our hearts would be ready to receive your word, so that we would become more and more like your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for this time. We commit it to you now in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, will be praying uh, for our next book that we're going to be studying. Lord willing, we want to start next week. That's the goal, and we'll see what the Lord does, but that's the, the goal. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I wanted to finish up some messages that I felt the Lord would want us to hear, primarily myself first. I need to uh, hear the word myself and then you know, respond to it and then share it with you all. And so with that in mind, let's turn to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. And here in Psalm 115, we're going to see that uh, in eternity, we're either going to have our mouths silenced in judgment, or we will be praising God forever and ever. And the question will be, which one are you? Which one will you be? Let's turn our Bibles again to Psalm 115, and this is a psalm, and the psalms, uh, by and large, are an inspired response to the law, the revealed word of God. It's inspired. It's inspired. And the psalmist are responding back to the Lord, as we see with the word of God. And here we have this term for psalm, and it's a a Greek term, but then the Hebrew term also speaks of a song or or a psalm. Uh, And originally, the psalms were Israel's inspired lyrics uh, set to music. Uh, It was God's word, but it was to be sung. It was to be sung. And today we come to Psalm 115. And this psalm has no author ascribed to it, so there's no direct dating. Um, But there are some clues to uh, when this might have been written, Uh, the person who was inspired by the Spirit who brought forth this psalm. Indeed, in verse 2, we have the phrase, uh, Why should the nations say, Where now is their God? and the implication is that the nations are mocking israel as though their god has left them their god is no longer uh, functioning for them where is their god it's it's a mocking statement and indeed it's most likely that this was written uh probably after israel had come out of or gone into captivity um and uh, shortly come back into the land and it was evident they were a small people they were uh, disorganized in a sense they were small from the world standpoint and the nations would look around and say, where's their God? Where's their big God that we've heard of? Where is their God now? It's a mocking statement. It's a mocking statement. And uh, there was a time when the nations did look upon them and did mock them when God disciplined them and took them into captivity. Take a look at Psalm 79. Psalm 79. And you can see how uh, the nations mocked when the... when the uh, Walls were torn down and Israel was taken into exile. Psalm 79, verses 1 to 6. A psalm of Asaph. O God, the nations have invaded thine inheritance. They have defiled thy holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the dead bodies of thy servants for food to the birds of the heavens, the flesh of the godly ones to the beasts of the earth. They have poured out... They have poured out their blood like water round about Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a scoffing and derision to those around us. How long, O Lord, will thou be angry forever? Will jealousy burn like fire? Pour out thy wrath upon the nations who do not know thee, and upon the kingdoms which do not call upon thy name. And then later on in verse uh, verse 9, we have the statement, Why should the nations say, Where is their God? Where is their God? And that's what's being said in our passage. Uh, Where is their God? Verse 2, Why should the nations say, very same phrase, Where is their God? And so that gives us a clue that it's most likely after God's people were delivered back from their exile and the nations are saying, Where's their God? Where's this God that we hear of? They're mocking, they're mocking. So with that in mind, let's take a look, Psalm 115, and let's read through it together. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory because of the loving kindness of thy truth. Excuse me, because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth. Why should the nations say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man 's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak, they have eyes, but they cannot see, they have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel, they have feet, but they cannot walk. they continue, they cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us and he he will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, the small together with the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go out into silence. But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's just wonderful to read, and it just makes you want to look into it because it's such a wonderful passage. But here, this passage is about the Lord. The term Lord is used directly 13 times, and if you look at the uh, pronouns thy or his, we've got 25 times total. This is about the Lord. This is about the Lord. And notice it's the Lord in large caps that speaks of Yahweh, the the I am. It's the the Hebrew verb to be, first person singular, the I am. It's about Yahweh, the self-existent one, the sovereign over everything. This is what this psalm is about. And notice as the psalmist begins, he calls for the Lord to be glorified and not us. For the Lord to be glorified and not us. This is a call that we should have in our hearts, in our lives, by the way. Not to us, O Lord, verse 1, not to us, but to thy name give glory because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth. And ultimately, this psalm is about the glory of God. The term glory here speaks just of that, glory or honor, glory or honor. And here he says, not to us, O Lord, and repeats it, not to us, not to us. This is really important. May glory never go to us. May it never go to us. May we never receive the glory. May we never receive the credit. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us. A simple statement ignored by so many people who name the name of the Lord. A simple statement by those who steal from God in some way, shape, or form, his glory do his name. But not to us. Not to us, O Lord. We see the opposite. Not to us. Uh, but glory to that. But Thy name give glory. But Thy name give glory. May You, O oh Lord, get all the credit and praise for everything. You see, apart from the Lord, we can do nothing. And if you understand that, then He gets the glory and the praise. You see, it's by His grace, uh, and it's through His grace in the context of faith that we are able to do anything. And so, it's all from Him. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. So not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory. And notice, he gives a reason why his name should be glorified, why his name should be honored, why his name should be exalted. He says here, because of thy loving kindness and thy truth. It's because of this. It's because of this, because of thy loving kindness and truth. And this word in the Old Testament translated loving kindness speaks of God's covenant-keeping love, his, his loyal love, and it is almost always associated with salvation, this hesed, this wonderful, loyal love. What does David say in Psalm 86, verse 5? He says, For thou, O Lord, art good and ready to forgive, abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon thee. You're abundant in that loyal, forgiving love to all who call upon me. To all who call upon thee. Look down in our passage, down to verse 12. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, with all my heart, and glorify thy name. This is actually in Psalm 86. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, with all my heart, and will glorify thy name forever, for thy loving kindness, verse 12, towards me is great and thou hast delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. It's because God has delivered us from our sins, and that is clear in the context of his loving kindness for us. You see, God's loving kindness is manifest in the forgiveness of sins. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 in, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Hold your finger there. That was Psalm 86 I read earlier, but uh, turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. A wonderful passage. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Friend, God is a God who is ready to forgive. He is ready to forgive. He is abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon his name. You see, if you realize you're a sinner and you need a savior, you recognize uh, that God calls upon all men everywhere to repent because he's fixed a day in which he will judge the world through a man having furnished proof by raising him from the dead. If you know this and you know that he's ready to forgive and he's abundant in loving kindness, then just call out to him. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. He's abundant in loving kindness. Abundant in loving kindness. And we need to remember this. We need to remember this and meditate on these wonderful truths. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 11. First scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Isn't that wonderful? We're not going to be disappointed, I tell you. We're going to be praising him and rejoicing forever and ever, right? We're going through the sufferings now, but for the glories to follow, right? We'll not be disappointed. And he says here, For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in loving kindness for all who call upon him. If you call upon him, he's abounding in that loyal love, that loving kindness that brings forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ, Call upon him. Call upon him. It's because of his loyal love, his readiness to forgive, uh, that he gets the glory. It's because he's ready to forgive. You know, I always think of this passage when I think of his loyal love and I think of judgment. and I think of the two and they seem to be opposite, but one delivers from the other. Take a look at Joel, Joel chapter 2. And this is in the context of judgment where God is declaring that future wrath is going to be poured out. And in the midst of that, he calls upon his, the people to receive his forgiveness of sins in the context of his loving kindness. Joel chapter 2, verse 10. Before them, the earth quakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. And the Lord utters his voice before his army. Surely his camp is very great, for strong is he who carries out his word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? That's the day of his judgment upon mankind. But notice what he says. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart, not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. What a great God we have. To you, God, all the glory. To you, God, all the glory. You see how it's so evil when people attempt to reach God on their own means? How wicked it is? You know, we've been saved by his grace, and that not of ourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And you see, boasting is mankind's problem apart from Christ. But if we know Christ, to you, Lord, be all the glory. To you be all the glory because of your loving kindness. Because of your loving kindness. And also because of your, notice he says here, truth. He says truth because of thy truth. You see, the psalmist uh, is sharing some passages that would remind these Hebrews of what the Lord had declared to Moses back in Exodus. Turn back in Exodus chapter 34, Exodus 34. You see, because his loving kindness and his truth are together. They're together. Exodus 33, actually, verse 18 Then Moses said, I pray thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. There you go. That's really important. It's his character. It's his goodness. And will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I will show compassion to whom I'll show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place uh, by me, and you shall stand there on the on the rock. And it will come about, while my glory is passing by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. That I will make my hand, uh, then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now the Lord said to Moses, Cut out for yourselves two stone tablets like the former ones. And write on the tablets the words which were on the former tablets which you shattered. God still reminds him of that, right? It's uh, you know, but God's a gracious God. So be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. And no man is to come with you, nor let any man be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and the herds may not graze in the front of the mountain. So he cut out two stone tablets like the former ones, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took the two stone tablets in his hand, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him. And he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness." And truth, and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. And he made, and Moses made haste to bow low towards the earth and to worship Because of thy loving kindness and truth, may you get all the glory. May you get all the glory. You see, our God is a God of truth. He is a God of truth. We see this throughout scripture that he has not concealed this either. He has not uh, held it back. Psalm 40 verse 10 I have hidden, I have not hidden thy righteousness within my heart. Excuse me, I have not hidden thy righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of thy faithfulness and salvation. I have not concealed, the psalmist writes, of thy loving kindness and truth to the great congregation. Thou, O Lord, will not withhold thy compassion from me. Thy loving kindness and truth will continually preserve me. His great love revealed in salvation, his truth. And we see, because of these things, may you have all the glory. May you have all the glory. Psalm 57 verse 8, awake my glory, awake harp and lyre, I will awaken to the dawn. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, among the nations of the peoples. I will sing praises to thee among the nations, for thy loving kindness is great to the heavens and thy truth to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let thy glory be above the earth. Loving kindness and truth. Loving kindness and truth. Psalm 117 verse 1, praise the Lord all nations, loud him all peoples, for his loving kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting, praise the Lord. We need to praise God for his loving kindness and his truth, for his loving kindness and his truth, for what he's done. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory because of thy loving kindness, because of... Thy truth. We know the Lord Jesus is the manifestation of God's truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. What a gracious, wonderful God we have, and may he be glorified and not us because of his great love and his truth. His great love and his truth. So then back to our passage, turn back to Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory, because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth. And then he goes into the question that we had seen. Why should the nations say, where now is their God? I mentioned this earlier, but evidently the nation of Israel was in a state in which God was not intervening in a way that the nations could see, most likely after their exile and back into uh, when they came back out of exile. The nations were uh were saying where where's their god? Where's their god now? Where is he now? Mocking. Now folks, we need to be very careful that we don't cause others to blaspheme God. When we walk in a manner where God is disciplining us or whatever it might be, only God knows when or just when we know that, right? But uh when we're walking in a way because we're not walking with him that people say where is his god? Where is her god? that they mock uh, our God because we're not effectively walking with him. You see, we need to be careful not to trust in anything other than the Lord, not to trust in anything else. You have these people who claim to be Christians who trust in counseling or whatever it is. They trust in psychology. They trust in their own wisdom and ways. They trust in Christian ease. Uh, language and stuff from people on the radio, whatever it might be, rather than believing the truth of God from the word of God. So then, not to us, but to you be all the glory. Now notice as he moves on, he's going to make a comparison here. He's going to make a comparison between the true God and all the idols. He's going to compare now. But to our God, okay, where is their God now? But he's going to explain. Here's where God is in relationship to all the idols of the nations. Here you go. But to our God, excuse me, but our God, verse 3, is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but it cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. So we have a comparison between our God and their idols. Our God and their idols. In spite of what one might say because of Israel's disobedience, the reality is our God is a true God and theirs are idols. In spite of what someone might mock, this is the reality of our God versus the idols. Notice he says, but our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. He is far above his creation. He's in the heavens. And guess what? He does what he pleases. He is God. He does what he pleases. This speaks of sovereignty and deity. If you were able to do whatever you please and there are no consequences ever, then that puts you in a sovereign place. But for us, we are under Him and there are consequences for what we do, whether it is uh, rewards or punishment for those who don't know Christ. But He does whatever He pleases. And praise the Lord, He's good and He's righteous and He's loving, He's kind, He's holy and just. He is sovereign. You see, we need to recognize this. Our God is in the heavens. There's nothing that can for him. He does what he pleases. He does what he pleases. Look at Psalm 135. Psalm 135, verse 3. Psalm 135, verse 3. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Sing praises to his name, for it is lovely, isn't that wonderful? For the Lord God has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel, for his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our God, our Lord, is above all gods, whatever the Lord pleases, He does in the heaven and in earth, in the sea, in all the depths. Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar after he repented what he said? He thought he was the man. He thought he was the greatest guy since slight bread. He said, look at all that I've done. Look at all the stuff. But God humbled him. Turn to Daniel chapter 4 and we see what Nebuchadnezzar says concerning God. We need to get a better view of our God from the Word of God. Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. I love this part because it seems to imply that we will see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Daniel chapter 4 verse 34. But at the end of the period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. This is the same guy that's making statues of himself and saying, when the whistles blow and all this stuff, you gotta bow down and and worship me, right? He's not saying that anymore, is he? He says he honored, he praised him, honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. Now Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest guy on earth at that time, kingdom wise. The the world's empire, he was the leader. And look at what he's saying. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what hast thou done? No one can do that. He does as he pleases. He does as he pleases. We have a tremendous God who is in the heavens. And he does as he pleases. Now notice in contrast to God who is in the heavens, who does what he pleases, he now contrasts with the idols of the nations. Verse uh, four. Their idols, back in one Psalm one fifteen. Are silver our silver and gold, the work of man's hands. And folks, idols are things in which we trust in. They are things in which we believe that if we give them honor or, or reverence or whatever it may be, that we might get helped in something. It's something beyond us. It's it's an idol. It's an idol. And idols are in anything that we put trust in. Yet that trust should only be reserved for God. Notice he says their idols are silver and gold the work of men's hand, and then he continues, they have mouths but they cannot speak, they have eyes but they cannot see, they have ears they cannot hear, they have noses they cannot smell, they have hands they cannot feel, they have feet they cannot walk, they have they cannot make a sound with their throat. They can't speak, they can't see, they can't hear, they can't smell, they can't feel, they can't walk. They can't make a sound with their throat. And not only this, they're not alive and they can't do anything. That's the idols of the nations. Do you see those silly little idols in like the Uber cars, you know, or whatever, where you go into a Chinese restaurant, there's a big gold fat guy there, you know. These are idols. They trust in them. But it's a piece of gold or a piece of fake gold or whatever it is. It doesn't speak. It can't hear. They can't feel. They can't walk. They can't do anything, and they can say nothing. They're completely inadequate for help. Completely inadequate. Now, folks, in this day and age, we don't have outright idols like this, although there's some like I just mentioned. But we don't. But we have things that we attribute our trust to at times. And God says to us, little children, guard yourselves from idols, those things that you would subtly trust in other than the Lord. Whether it's uh, uh, about uh, physical health or things like that, or there's all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of fables and stuff out there. There's all kinds of stuff out there that Christians buy into and subtly trust in. And we need to, not just, not just you all, we need to guard ourselves from idols. Guard ourselves from idols. They can't do anything. They can't say anything. And they're in opposition to the trust of the Lord. It is in opposition to trusting in the Lord. Guard yourselves from idols. And notice what he says. These people who trust in these have a horrible future ahead. If you trust in anything other than Christ, you have a horrible future ahead. Notice he says, those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. And that's the key. They're trusting in them. They're idols. Pretty straightforward. Those who trust in them are going to become like them. What does that mean? Well, what is it that characterizes these idols? They are without life. They are dead. And they cannot speak. Look at verse 5. They have mouths, they cannot speak. Middle verse 7. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Then look down at verse 17. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. They're going to become like them in that they will no longer be able to express their will through their mouths, they will be dead and unable to speak to exercise their wills. They'll be silent. Those who go down into silence. You know, the Bible reveals what hell is like. It is created for the devil and his angels, but yet mankind rebelled. And when mankind rejects God's gracious offer of salvation through Jesus Christ, they are destined for the second death, the lake of fire, and it's burning with fire and brimstone, and it is also spoken of as black darkness. But here we see it's also silence. There's silence in hell. It's not a bunch of people conversing about all their good times back on earth. There's silence. Those who make them will be like them, and everyone who trusts in them, you will be eternally silenced. But notice the contrast. Verse 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord. (coughs) He is their help and their shield. Israel, speaking of the Jewish people, those who were in a covenant relationship with the Lord, those who were now commanded to trust in the Lord. They're to trust in him because, look at notice, he is their help and shield. And then notice we have a command to Israel's priests, O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. Wonderful statement. He is their help and shield. Then we have a blanket statement that applies to all true believers. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their hope and shield. Do you fear in the Lord? Trust in Him. Trust in Him. We have all kinds of subtle things that pull our hearts away from trusting in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Don't lean on your own understanding. Those who fear the Lord. Well, who are those who fear the Lord? Those are those who have come into a right relationship with the living God through the forgiveness of sins that was provided through the seed of Abraham, the son of David, the Messiah, who would come, Jesus Christ, and die for our sins on the cross and be raised from the dead. See, the Bible makes it clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Paul makes it clear there is no fear of God before their eyes, Romans chapter 3. Man does not fear God in his sinful state. But when we are forgiven, we are restored in a relationship with him and we are caused to see him rightly as God, to see ourselves rightly as his creation, his forgiven creation, and to fear him. I love this, Psalm 130. Psalm 130. Let me find it here. We have the reality that uh, if we could stand... If the, you know, if you, you can't stand before God, Psalm 130, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Who could stand? If you were to mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? One Psalm 130, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Forgiveness is the key to the ability to fear God. It's our forgiveness in Christ that causes us to fear the Lord, to give him reverence, to be conscious of him in our actions, to fear his response, not of punishment, but of displeasure, grief, and discipline. It is the recognition of our own sinfulness and God's right to judge, yet his great forgiveness in Christ that draws us rightly before him to fear him. To fear him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or beginning of knowledge. The reality is, if we've been saved, we've been called to fear the Lord, called to fear the Lord. A lot of passages on this. Let me read a couple of these. Proverbs 3, 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs eighteen thirteen: fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, the pride, arrogance, and the evil way. Proverbs 14.29, the fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. His children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is instruction for wisdom. Proverbs 16.6, by loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And he says here, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always live in the fear of the Lord. The Apostle Peter shares it this way. He shares in 1 Peter chapter 1, and if you address the Father as one who impartially judges according to each man's work. If you know he is the judge, and you know that you've been relieved from that judgment through the Son who gave himself for us, then you should fear God. He says, conduct yourselves in fear during your time stay upon earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. We know where to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You who fear the Lord, trust him. You who fear the Lord, trust him. Trust the Lord. He is their help and shield. He's your help and shield. Again, I shared this earlier, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You see, throughout scripture, believers are identified as those who trust in the Lord. And when they do so, they're actually blessed. Actually blessed. We're blessed to trust in Him. And we're commanded to trust in Him. He is our God above the heavens, does as He pleases, and He is our help. He is our protection and shield. If you're relying on anything other than Christ to help you and protect you, then I believe you're a very unhappy Christian. It is only Christ who is our shield. And our help. Don't rely on anything else. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart. Throw away all that junk you hear in those Christian radio shows unless it's the Word of God telling you to trust in Christ. He is our shield and our help. Take a look at uh, Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Verse 5, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Cursed, trust in your flesh, trust in your man, you're cursed. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. You're blessed. You're blessed if you trust in the Lord. And we're commanded to do that. You who fear, trust in the Lord. You see, because he's our shield and he's our help. And you see that in the psalmist whose trust in the Lord. You see them declaring the Lord being their shield. When they trust in him, you you have these words coming from their mouths inspired by the Spirit that God is their trust. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. That's what we need. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains should slip into the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains should quake at its swelling pride. Selah. Psalm 41.10, Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I'll help you. Surely I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is our help and shield. What about Psalm 18? Turn to Psalm 18. You see, if you trust in the Lord, you'll be able to declare these truths from a heart that believes them. That believes them. Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Amen. My God, my rock, in whom I take what? Refuge. 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 My shield and my horn of salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am safe from my enemies. Look down verse 30, same Psalm, Psalm 18. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? The God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless. He makes my... Feet like hinds' feet, sets me upon high, my high places, trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend bows of bronze. Thou hast given me as the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand upholds me, and thy gentleness makes me great. And then, verse, uh, second half of verse 30 He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Trust in the Lord. He is our help. He is our only help. He is our shield. He is our only shield. Tremendous reality. And notice the result for those who trust in him rather than idols. Look at verse 13 back in our passage, and I'm going to read up through it. You who fear the Lord, verse 11, trust in the Lord. He is our help and shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, the small with the great. The Lord has been mindful of us. He's thinking of us. That's an amazing thought. He's remembering. He is thinking about us. He is mindful of us. David would share in Psalm 139 How precious also are their thoughts towards me, O God. How vast are the sum of them. If I could count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. The Lord is mindful of us. But notice what he's going to do. To those who trust him, he will bless you. He says here, he will bless us. And notice he had the three categories that we saw earlier, those who were exhorted to trust in him. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He'll bless those who fear the Lord. That's us. The small together with the great. No matter who you are, you fear the Lord and because you're forgiven in Christ, if you trust him, he'll bless you. Trust him. Trust the Lord. What areas are you not trusting him? Is it physical? Is it relational? Is it threats? What is it? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart and he'll bless you. He'll bless you, he'll protect you, and he'll help you. All throughout Scripture, we see the ones who trust him are blessed. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, how blessed is the man who takes refuge in him, Psalm 34, verse 8. How blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, Psalm 84, verse 5. O oh Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in thee, Psalm 84, verse 12. As I mentioned earlier, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord, Jeremiah 17:7. 7. Who is your trust? Who is your refuge and strength? We falter. We're human beings. We fail. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Confess when you fail. Trust in him. Rely on him. He is our shield. He is our help. He is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. He will bless those. Verse thirteen. This is future. Those who fear the Lord, the small and the great. And notice he just uh, he just he just piles it on here. Verse fourteen. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed to the Lord, Maker of heaven and earth. May this happen to you. This is God's desire, inspired. So often we see God so wrong in our difficulties. We see that he, he just wants to make it difficult for us. That's not his desire. He loves us. And that any difficulty that comes our way is for our blessing. It's for good. He turns it for good. we got to see him rightly. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. May you be blessed to the Lord, maker in heaven and earth. Now look at verse 7, verse 16, excuse me. The heavens and are the Lord the heavens? Are the heavens of the Lord? But the earth He has given to the sons of men. The Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. The heavens are His, but in contrast, He has given the earth to the sons of men. And this is somewhat difficult in the context of what we've been looking at. See how it fits in there. So, what is He saying? I believe He's saying there's basically. Here, the heavens of the heavens of the Lord, the earth is given to the sons of men, and within the earth being given to the sons of men, there are two choices. You trust in Him, or you trust in yourself and idols. Trust in those things. Trust in Him. Notice what He says here in verse 17 The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any go down into silence. Any who go down into silence. But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord. Here we have Hebrew parallelism. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do those who go down to silence. Speaking of those who have died in their sins, they don't praise the Lord in hell. Yes, they will bow their knees and confess that he is the Lord, but they're not praising him in eternity. They are silenced forever. 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 But notice the contrast. But as for us, those the who trust in the Lord, who fear in the Lord, we will bless the Lord from this time, now, forever forth, and from ever forth. In contrast to those who don't praise the Lord on their way to becoming just like their idols, but we, but for as for us, we will bless the Lord. We will bless the Lord from this time forever forth. The term blesser speaks to kneel, to praise, to bless. And it's throughout the Psalms. We'll bless the Lord now. Praise the Lord. And we'll do it forever and forever and forever. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word Thank you for your son, Jesus, and you are worthy of all praise and honor and glory, and your son is worthy of all trust. You are worthy of all faith, Lord God. We trust you. We thank you for what you've done. And Father, help us to believe what you've said, to apply it to all of our circumstances, to believe who you are, to remember who you are and what you've done, and to hold on to your promises, to stand firm not in ourselves but in your son, Jesus that we would be those who are blessed because we trust in you, because we rely on you completely. Lord, weed out any area today that we have trusted in that's not of you. And Lord, I pray for those who aren't saved, who are listening. Uh, they will be silenced forever. They will be punished if they reject your son, Jesus. If they reject so great a love, so great a deliverance from their sin, I pray they would turn. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for, save, for, for going to the cross, bearing my sins on the cross. Save me, Lord God. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, Father, may we be those who continually praise you now from this time on and forever forth. In your precious name, amen.